Everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts, James D. Graves and Jason Colvin. Welcome back for part two of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Here's a quick recap of last week's episode. Let's just dive in and see what we got. To jump right in, uh, we're going to talk about Airplane. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get started. Every time. <laughs> just want to say, to you, D. Yes. Good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> they used to leave the VCR on recording overnight, and they accidentally recorded Zero Hour. Man, this is, we could really turn this into something funny. Some of the lines are identical. Identical. They were fascinated by this weird movie. They decided we're going to buy the rights to the script first. Right. It's a smart move, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid the, the trouble, and it couldn't have been that expensive. <laughs> One of their first choices for Ted Stryker was David Letterman. Well, they were so excited, and he was like, this is a bad idea. And then when they were done, they were like, you're right. This was a bad idea. She's performing that song really well. And that, in combination with the girl who's making the fish face because her IV has come out, is brilliant. It is the brilliance of the comedy of Ziazi. Almost every line in this thing is perfect. It's one of the most quotable movies of all time. Chump don't want no help. Chump don't get no help. So can you imagine... Delivering to a child actor the line, have you ever seen a grown man <laughs> naked with absolute sincerity? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. You got 1980s PG ratings, right. which feature boobies. And man, I can tell you a story about the boobies in Airplane. Those specific boobies? <laughs> those, tell me, tell me those the particular. Story. Yeah, tell, yes. me the, tell me the boobie story. Okay, so this was a movie I watched young because my dad thought it was funny. But he was trying to keep me from seeing. There's one scene where a woman is wearing no shirt and she just walks directly in front of the camera. And then walks off screen, and that's it, right? Right. So basically, you have half a second. It's just out of nowhere, boobs, and then they're gone, right? right? And so he was trying to watch this movie with me. Yes. Protect me, protect my eyes from. <laughs> well, you've got to, you've got to know exactly, or, or it's they're there and then gone, and then it's over. Yeah. And uh, he was not fast enough. He wasn't ready. So that was my uh, first on-screen. Flash of skin, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like the first time you ever saw naked boobies on TV? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Nice. It's a special day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now it's time to jump into Spaceball One and travel at ludicrous speed so we can warp ahead in time to 1987 when Spaceballs was released. Ah. So Some people, people call, call me a space cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. Woo! I speak of the puppetoos of love. Spaceballs, uh, one of Mel Brooks's wonderful parodies that he has done. Um, 
But first, let's talk about what was going on in 1987. Help us remember what uh, what we were doing, what we were going through back then. We'll do our rapid fire again. Sounds good. Yeah. First or second? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, you go first. So this is just current events from 1987 to kind of give you a place and a and a moment in time, right? Right. So uh, Ronald Reagan addresses the Iran Contra affair. Yes. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. Yeah, we had the whole Ali North thing going on. Yep. It was all very bad. It looked like Reagan either had lied or didn't know what was going on and basically said he didn't know what was going on. Right. And people loved him so much that it didn't matter. We get, they, they forgave him. Right. Um, also that year, though, a little bit later on, to kind of cement his place in history, he said to Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev... Tear down this wall. Huge speech and uh, one that sticks with us. Oh, absolutely. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Two years later, it came came down. I don't know if you know this, but like the speechwriter had, you know, had given him the speech. They kind of talked about it and the speechwriter thought, you know, that's kind of cliche and corny. I'm going to take that out. Yeah. And Reagan looked at it and was like, nope, putting that back in. Yep. It was his call. That's awesome. Here's one. This This one, uh, I don't know why this one sticks with me, but when Jim Baker resigned from the PTL after admitting to an affair with Jessica Hahn. Well, it sticks with you because she appeared in some magazines that you probably looked at later. And the Wild Thing video with Sam Kinison. Yes, and all of the other heavy metal rockers of the time. Hairband galore and her dancing around in a... Wild Thing, I think you move me! Just came to my mind. I thought I'd say that. You make me trust you. There's nothing left in my heart. You're a lying, unfaithful, untrustable tramp, and I think I love you. She looked like a church secretary to you. Um, <laughs> I can see why she was hired. Never saw that one. Anyway. Um, yeah, and another on the on the televangelist thing, yeah. uh, the Supreme Court case of Hustler Magazine versus Jerry Falwell happened that year, uh, which is the uh, the large part of the People versus Very Larry Flint movie that right. came out uh, probably ten years later. So, yep. another thing that uh, is interesting, I certainly don't remember it happening, but it was a shocking event, um, was that the Pennsylvania Treasurer Bud Dwyer had been like convicted of doing these crimes and he had proclaimed his innocence the whole time and he called a press conference and then shot himself on live television. Get out. Yeah, so there's, and then again, a decade or so later, the the song by Filter comes out, Hey Man, Nice Shot. You yeah. probably recognize the play here. He that is in reference. A lot of people thought it was Kurt Cobain that they were talking about because it was not too long after Kurt Cobain's suicide. But actually, he was talking about Bud Dwyer, and that was his "Hey Man, I Shot." Wow. That was what it was all about. Wow! Yeah, I don't, I don't disturbing stuff. That That's why I say "Hey Man, I Shot." All right, how about this one? This one gets me at the heart. Baby Jessica McClure falls down the well. I knew you would have it. <laughs> knew you would have it. If you've listened to our podcast, and if we're staying in order, we do. <laughs> well, Michael Jackson was first, right? And right. Yes. So, so yes. You're. I remember how moved you were by the Man oh, in the Mirror video when Baby see, Jessica comes out. 
that construction worker crying when he pulls <laughs> it kills me every time ah baby jessica you big softy <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh movie news platoon was released meh um yeah. TV news, the first episode of The Simpsons appears on The Tracy Ullman Show. Oh, Hello, is Al there? Al? Yeah, Al. Last name, alcoholic? Let me check. Phone call for Al. Alcoholic. Uh, how about the teenager who landed the plane, who flew it from West Germany and landed it in Red Square? I can remember that and happening. And embarrassed the heck out of the Russians. And then the and music news... Uh, U2 releases Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. the best U2 al- best U2 album and one of the best albums in the world in history, in my opinion. We'll have to get into that later. That sounds like a good because that same year, Def Leppard releases Hysteria, which is my favorite right. album of all time. Well, uh, I mean, you got to pour some sugar on me. I can still remember the first. My very first high school dance that I went to, that was the song that, like, that was it. the whole night led up to that moment. And that was the <laughs> final song. And when they played it, that place went nuts. Yeah. Um, also in music news, the very first Rick Roll happens because Rick Astley. Rick Astley releases "Never Gonna Give You Up." Um, also in 1987, the world population reaches five billion. Nothing. <laughs> uh, this is nothing. Rolling right past that. Spaceballs released June 24th, 1987. Okay. Here are the top ten songs from Casey's top 40. Real quick. Okay. All right. Number 10, Just to See Her by Smokey Robinson. Nope. Nothing for you? Nope. Songbird by Kenny G. Uh, maybe. You Keep Me Hanging On by Kim Wilde. Oh, for sure. Okay. How about this one? Number seven on the charts this week, 1987. Wanted Dead or Alive. Oh, man, the reason I started playing guitar. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number six this week in 87, Alone by Heart. That was the one where in the video she's she's just up and down the stage with the guitar and then you kind of notice, wait a minute, she's not really playing here. It's that guy back in the back that's really playing the guitar. Okay. Check it out. Look okay. at the video. They, they blow up the piano in the video too. Um, number five, Diamonds by Herb Alpert. Nope. Janet Jackson on vocals on that one. Hmm. Number four, Into Deep, Genesis. Okay. Okay. Number three. I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Oh, yeah. that's My kids still love that song. Really? Even today. Yeah, that's a timeless one right there. Okay. 
Always by Atlantic Star, number two. Yeah. It's kind of a makeout song of 87. Yeah. And number one, Head to Toe, Lisa Lisa Colt Jam. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to Spaceballs, the Mel Brooks movie of 1987 that parodies the Star Wars movies. Yep. Uh, how about we do an oversimplified plot? Okay, yeah. super light plot overview. Here we go. So Planet Spaceball has run out of air, right? And President Scrooge, played by Mel Brooks, gets Dark Helmet, Rick Moranis, to force King Roland of Druidia, the guy from Aetis Enough, to give him the code to the shield that protects Druidia's heir by kidnapping his daughter, Princess Vespa, Daphne Zuniga, right? On the day of her arranged wedding to Prince Valium, who she runs out on, yep. which is hilarious. Uh, and then he hires smuggler, all-around bad boy, Lone Star and his buddy Barf to rescue her from these space balls by paying him a million space bucks. Lone Star, along with the help of Yogurt, uh, learns to use the Schwartz, and then he rescues Princess Vespa. They put all the air back in Druidia, and he defeats Dark Helmet and President Screw. And they get married because he, as it turns out, is actually a prince. Very good. Hey, thanks. Turns out. So you did not mention the actor who played uh, Prince Valium. The the names on these are great, by the way. Prince Valium is always tired, of yes, course. He's yawning through um, <laughs> So the actor who portrayed Prince Valium was Jim J. Bullock. Yes. Who I remember from the Hollywood Squares. No doubt. He was, I think, a lifetime member. <laughs> um, along with Joan Rivers, who does the voice for uh, the robot Dot Matrix. Dot Matrix, yep. Yep. Jim J. Bullock, who I remembered from Too Close for Comfort. Oh, yeah. As well as Hollywood Squares. But de- I mean, definitely daytime television, Hollywood Squares. So um, that's the plot of the movie. Uh, just to touch on uh, a couple of interesting things. First, trivia question. Prince, We've already talked about Prince Valium. Princess Vespa. Do you know what Vespa is? No. Okay, so it's a motor scooter, right? It's an Italian motor scooter, but Vespa means wasp in Italian, which I think, I mean, as many, yeah, as, as many Hebrew jokes as Mel Brooks puts in, and he even said in this particular movie, he's like, I, I don't know that I should have put in so many Jewish jokes, <laughs> but uh, yes, he's the the very very white girl is Princess Wasp, and um, makes sense. Funny. She doesn't look Druish. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, of course, Lone Star, Han Solo. Definitely Han Solo. Of course, you know, Lone and Solo and all of that. And then lastly, Mel Brooks, who, direct, who directed and co-wrote the movie, yes. plays a couple of characters. One is Yogurt. Yes. Which is the, the play off of Yoda. And then the other one you mentioned a couple times is President Scroob. Do you know how we got Scroob? Scroob. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Brooks backwards. Ah, no, Brooks. okay. Scroob. Yeah. Scroob. S-K. Interesting. Yeah. R-O-O-B. Cool. So now back to the movie. Uh, we have uh, the director and writer is Mel Brooks. 
um, who has who did the producers, okay. who did Blazing Saddles, yes. which is one of the best comedies of all time, who did Young Frankenstein, which is one of the first movies I ever remember seeing, and is brilliant from beginning to end. I even had a class where we looked at. Uh, books made into movies, and we looked at the original Frankenstein versus the book, then the Mel Brooks version, Young Frankenstein, compared to that movie, and the, and then if, then the one that had Robert De Niro, which was way too long. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's fantastic movie. And then he goes on for quite a while without much output, and then boom, lo and behold, 1987 rolls around, and we get Spaceballs. Yep. Did you ever watch the TV show Get Smart? Yes. Wait, the old one, right? The With, old one. Yeah. That was Mel Brooks. Okay. Didn't know that. So he directed and wrote. The other writers were Thomas Meehan, who was also a part of the producers. And uh, he also was involved with Hairspray and Annie. You can kind of see a stage musical theme going on with uh, Thomas Meehan. And then the third co-writer is Ronnie Graham, who you will recognize from the movie as the priest uh, for the wedding, who is ah, absolutely hysterical. He kills it. Yeah. He kills it. He's solid. Okay. Cool. What was his name? Ronnie? Ronnie Graham. Ronnie Graham. Every line he says is funny. Absolutely. When they say, they say I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be quiet. okay and then just a little bit of trivia he appeared in 1980 in one episode as the ticket agent of the tv series angie which i brought up before which starred robert hayes from airplane oh that's right we did talk about that yeah yeah that's right yeah so he actually was in that movie as well angie's not in my wheelhouse no that's okay the song Angie by the Rolling Stones, In My Wheelhouse. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, great song. Nothing to do with that team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. Okay. Actors? Okay. So we've uh, got Bill Pullman. This was not his first major motion picture, but it was his second major motion picture. Mm-hmm. His first one was Ruthless People. Which is funny. Um, I actually haven't seen that movie. Danny DeVito and Bette Midler. It's uh, funny. I mean, I'm familiar with the movie, but it, and you, so you saw his performance in that one? Yeah, he kind of plays a moron in that. He's a, he's an inept kidnapper. It's kind of funny because he's not real. He's kind of a goofball, yeah. you know, guy in this one as well. And then he kind of comes into his own. I mean, Independence Day, he's the president of the United States. Right. He, I, and I think that's more fitting for him than these kind of goofy roles that he was playing at first. Okay. Uh, and then we have the, Incomparable John Candy. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. Oh man, Uncle Buck. Gone too soon. Far too soon. Yes, uh, 1994, I believe. Died in '94. Um, this is a great shame. Great shame. Uh, but John Candy, who was in SCTV, uh, was in Stripes with Bill Murray, right. was in The Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd. Uh, just a, a comedy icon of the day. Absolutely great. He plays Tom Hanks's brother in Splash. Oh. He's kind of an unappreciated role. And then he's uh, Del Griffith from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I never did introduce myself. Del Griffith, American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Yeah, that's a classic. He's in Home Alone. I mean, 
he's his fingerprints are all over the 80s. Sure. He was 90s. in uh, the Blues Brothers as the cop when he gets That's right. the, gets the address to they get the address to Wrigley Stadium and he's laughing because he's been tricked. He, he I love him and everything he's, he's done. He's the really security did. guard at the end of the vacation movie. Yeah. Sorry folks, park's closed. Park's motion <laughs> <laughs> Um then we have Rick Moranis also of SCTV fame who was in Ghostbusters and Honey I Shrunk the Kids and My Blue Heaven as we mentioned earlier. Strange Brew. Yeah. Yes. You got to love the Bob and Doug McKenzie. McKenzie brothers. Take off, eh? Hey. <laughs> and then uh, Daphne Zaniga plays Princess Vespa. Um, and I, I think maybe this is kind of her pinnacle role. Uh, she was in uh, The Sure Thing uh, with... Um, That's a good one. With John Cusack. Uh-huh. I haven't actually seen that movie, if, you, if you've seen it. And then she was on uh, Melrose Place for a while as well. Melrose Place. Yeah, she was uh, the girlfriend in The Fly 2. Oh, yeah, that's that. not one that made my... That's, that's out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> and then uh, just to... I've already mentioned Joan Rivers as the voice of Dot Matrix, and then I, I can't I can't let it go without mentioning Michael Winslow, who is the voice man in all of the Police Academy movies, which we got to hit. I mean, we should just do like all of Steve Gutenberg's movies in one episode. I think. Good call. Um, but uh, the guy who is just famous for his ability to do all kinds of sounds with his mouth. Okay, so a lot of people get annoyed at Michael Winslow. But the because f- they're wrong. <laughs> but he has a laugh out loud moment in this movie where he's doing the, I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. Well, you don't need that private. We're right here. Now, what is it? Now, what is it? I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps. I've lost the sweeps. And I've lost the creeps. Oh, that, that whole scene cracks me up. Absolutely. Um... So there are our uh, key actors and uh, actresses in this movie. Okay, uh, we wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of people that we uh, love talking to on Twitter. The first one is Gidget Von LaRue. She is down in Australia and she has a, a podcast uh, that she does uh, with Colonel Kickhead called The Retro Cinema. I've had the f- fortune to listen to uh, some of those episodes, and she's got some good stuff going on. So uh, Gidget Von LaRue is at G-I-D-G-I-T-V-O-N-L-A-R-U-E on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much for all of your likes and shares and comments. I love listening to her. Her voice is so... She's got such a great speaking voice, and that Australian accent just does it for me. Right. Um, what about uh, soundtrack? We got anything on soundtrack? Hey, you got Good Enough from Van Halen. Yeah. Off of 5150. Right, for the diner scene. The diner scene? Sammy Hagar on lead vocals? I'll have the cleavage. <laughs> uh, you have um, Raise Your Hands by Bon Jovi. Wow. So you've got two big rock albums making an appearance on this movie. Yeah, absolutely. 
So um, I'll go into the special effects real quick. This is interesting because Mel Brooks, before he made the movie, he sent the script to George Lucas because, you know, obviously he's parodying the, the, Star, Wars, the Star Wars trilogy. Yes. And uh, George Lucas was like, this is hilarious. I love it. Let me know if you need any help. And then actually Industrial Lights and Magic ended up being a major finisher for the special effects in the movie. Okay, cool. Yeah. Here's another little tidbit that you may or may not know. You can see the Millennium Falcon parked at the diner. Yes. Which was thrown in there with George Lucas's blessing. So cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then the uh, I'll give we'll do a little trivia question on this one. Can you tell me a modern car that has an aspect of spaceballs uh, employed with it? No. Okay. So Tesla, the the electric cars. Yes. Um, are not the Rock Band. Not the Rock Band Tesla, which I love and played with Frank Cannon. I know that's really cool. Yeah. And uh, but no, Tesla the car. Yes. Uh, I guess Elon Musk was a Spaceballs fan. And so whenever you whenever you go into high gear and it's like you're you're turning on the overdrive for the car, yes. you go into plaid speed. <laughs> and I think there may be a ludicrous speed as well. That is that is cool. Yeah, it really is. If you search Tesla and plaid speed out there, you'll see a test drive where somebody's doing this and it goes the car gets up it goes fast, but then the screen, they have this giant LED screen in the middle. It turns plaid just like in the movie. Uh, it's fantastic. He's going plaid. <laughs> <laughs> no, not ludicrous speed. <laughs> okay, what do we do? We know who the composer was on this one. Uh, no. Okay, let's look. What you got? So the composer on this one was John Morris who uh, had a few other things, but is mostly known for being the composer for Mel Brooks movies. He worked with him on The Producers, Springtime for Hitler, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein. He was actually um, nominated for a Grammy for his work on The Elephant Man, uh, but the only films of Mel Brooks that John Morris wasn't on uh, were Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and Dracula, Dead, and Loving It, which brings us back to Airplane, because it starred Mr. Leslie Nielsen. There you go. That's right. Okay, so I would be mad at myself if I didn't make at least this comment on the soundtrack. Okay. Now, if you're like me, the soundtrack of your youth is colored with Looney Tunes. Yeah. There's a scene where the alien pops out of the dude's chest at the diner. Okay. And then proceeds to sing, Hello, my honey. So the dude is John Hurt. From the movie Alien. From the movie Alien, the one who did the scene originally. Yes. And I think he just thought he was supposed to do a small cameo part and then had that big scene. But that is one of my favorite scenes. It's coming up in a second for me. Okay. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's hilarious. It's awesome to see the alien again. Yes. But the guy who's next to him, that's another laugh out loud moment for me when yeah. he's like, one guy's like, get this guy some water. And that guy goes, water my ass. Get this man some Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> Sorry, mom, I just cussed. 
Yeah. Um, so the uh, yeah. So the the Looney Tunes that you're referring to is the frog because in this version of the alien popping out of his chest, which I'll go ahead and say we're going to come on come up to five best lines or scenes in just a minute, but okay. maybe my number one favorite is. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> but as he bursts out of his chest, he then puts on the straw hat and or top hat and has the uh, cane and starts singing, Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Just like the frog from the Looney Tunes cartoons. Yes. So funny. So okay. Funny. And we're bouncing around a little bit. Sorry. A little bit. So we, but we've hit soundtrack. We've hit special effects. We've segued nicely into the five best lines. I've already said my number one of, Oh no, not again. What, what do you got? What's your number one? Okay. Well, I didn't really, I didn't really rank them. There's so many, but so I really like the priest who, when he's, he's talking and he's like, he, the guy says, I'm sorry. He's like, don't be sorry. Be quiet. Yes. We already talked about that. Yeah. So number two for me, what is the, the whole spiel on when they're watching the VCR tape, when does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> Just missed it. That is that is one that, that, that my wife and I uh, replay quite frequently. That's a, that's a funny one. Yeah. Okay, how about this one? This part cracks me up when he says, well, you get the introduction of Dark Helmet, you hear the breathing, and sort of Darth Vader-ish, yeah. and then you can tell he... <laughs> and then he throws open the mask, he's like, I can't breathe in this thing! Yes, so that's Rick Moranis, and part of his brilliance, I think he may have improvised that particular scene, but one scene that I am sure he improvised is number three on my list, which is the dolls scene. So he's Love playing it. with the, the princess doll and his <laughs> own doll, and that scene is completely improvised. It was not scripted at all, and uh, Rick Moranis is brilliant uh, in that part. And that's so funny. Lord help me! What?! You need it on the bridge, sir. Knock on my door! Knock next time! Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good! Will you knock next time? <laughs> no, I sir, didn't, I didn't see you playing with your dolls. I did again. not see you play with your dolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, you stole that one from me, but... Um, so, again, the laugh-out-loud moment with Michael Winslow... When he's talking into the speaker and he says, Sir, I'm out of control of the radar. And he, and he comes up to me and he's like, What's the problem? And he continues to talk without the, the microphone. Put up the to microphone his, down. And then he puts it down. And he continues to talk. And then he like rips the thing out of the, I'm out of control of the radar, sir. Yes. So that part cracks me up every time. Um, fourth best line in the movie for me. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. <laughs> That's the combination of my life. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, how about this one? When they're replaying the stuff on the VCR, yes, and it comes to the sudden stop, dark helmet flies through the air, smashes, and he says, "Let's get past this part." Don't, in fact, don't ever play this part again. <laughs> uh, good stuff. And then uh, last, it, I don't know that it's still funny to me now, but the line that I remembered forever is combing the desert. Okay. Because uh, because uh, when they were actually combing the desert, I was like, "This is hilarious." 
but I was 13 at the time. So, man, we ain't found. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for me, the number one line though has got to be, "I see your Schwartz is as big as mine." Uh, yes. You know that that's the that's the line from the movie, and right. that's the one that we repeated to each other all the time at school. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think it's funny how Rick Moranis, every time he's got his helmet up and he's like, he sort of talks like, he's like, what, what, what happened? You know, he's, but every time he puts his helmet down, he's like, Lone Star, you know, his voice changes. So there, here's an interesting bit of trivia. Um, Do you remember what happens when he goes to, he goes to the control station and he's uh, about to like the, it's the, the destroyer or whatever that he's, and they're like, no, that's the coffee machine. You remember that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So Mel Brooks was notorious for not allowing anyone to have coffee cups on his sets because just as a month or so ago, we learned sometimes those things slip into scenes like Uh they did in uh, game of Thrones, one of the final episodes. And um, so the bit, then for this movie is Rick Moranis is walking around for a third of the movie with a styrofoam coffee cup in his hand because he goes to the coffee machine first. Yes. I always have my coffee when... Yes! I always have coffee when I watch Radar. You know that. Of course I do, sir. Everybody knows that. Of course we do, sir! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So Can we get it? Yep. And we've hit our actors. So now we're on to Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You want to give it a shot? I've already done Rick Moranis. You're not allowed to use him. Okay. If I can't use Rick Moranis, I'm going to go the John Candy route. Okay, good. Let's go John Candy. I'll skip Stripes since I could go John Candy, Bill Murray, Bill Murray Rick Moranis. Sure. Yeah. All right. So let's go John Candy and Tom Hanks in Splash. Nice. Okay. Tom. there. Apollo 13. Boom. Look yes. at you go. Two movies. I'm not even going to try to compete with you. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was so good. I didn't even know I'd done it. <laughs> Yay me. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> I was over here going like, okay, how do I get to John Lithgow? Uh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Tom Hanks. Dang it. You're so good. Thank you. All right. Um, so let's talk about the movie. Okay. Baby, break down. Go ahead. Give it to I got to say... In a large part, this movie did not hold up for me on the rewatching. Okay. It's been 20 years probably since I've seen it. And um, whenever the, especially whenever we see Bill Pullman's character for the first time, the hamming is almost like bad stage acting, uh, community theater stuff. And I just, I was kind of like let down, let down. You're talking about when he's like, barf. Right. When he, yeah. When they're, when they're trying to negotiate with Pizza the Hut. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, I was, I, I was disappointed, um, at that part. Now the movie's still great. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's a classic. It's, it's always going to be a classic, but I was surprised on the rewatching that I was like, uh, oh, this is not, this is not as good as I remember it being. Okay. Okay. So here's, I got a couple of problems with it. Okay. Bill Pullman, in my opinion, is not good looking enough to pull off the hero. Okay. He's also I, I didn't buy him as the president in Independence Day. Really? Yeah, I'm not. I, You're not Bill Pullman. I'm not. All. I'm not. Oh. He's kind of in between on everything. He's a little too goofy, and a little not funny enough. Huh. So I'm not a big Bill 
Bill Pullman fan. Yeah. I also thought that Mel Brooks's parts in this, President Scrooge, yeah, and Yogurt, yeah, were kind of the the least funny characters in the movie. Yeah. I love John Candy. I love Rick Moranis in this. Absolutely. Those two guys are the movie. I think I think Joan Rivers is funny. I think Daphne Zuniga is good as the princess. Right. Uh, but I if you would have said Give me more barf and give me more dark helmet. I'm I'm totally on board. Absolutely, totally agree. There are some classic lines, and I mean, you can't. We're criticizing something that is right. iconic, so don't don't yeah, get us wrong. We here. still love it. Yeah, I would I would watch it again with the kids. Absolutely, but it's uh, it's not a, it's not what I remember it being. So here's a trivia thing. You know, we talked about international lights and magic being involved with it. Um, you remember the scene when they're when they've hit the self destruct button, yes. And then like that's the the f bomb comes out there, which is just a shocker. I watched Beetlejuice the other day with the kids. Oh, I yes. and I was just I was just like, had to Whoa, that one off, how did man. I not? How did I not remember that? No kidding. So these are uh, these are a couple of rare like Airplane was the rare PG movie that had boobies. Um, these are th- those two were a couple of the rare PG movies that had the f bomb in them, right? Um, but, uh, anyway, they're all escaping in the escape pods, right? Yep. So there's one scene, it's really, it's like a flash, but you see the escape pod shooting out and you're like, wow, they did a really good (laughs) job with that. Well, it turns out that was actually a deleted scene from one of the original Star Wars movies. Yes. Star Wars had its fingerprints on this, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, to have the blessing of the person you're parodying, uh, you can't beat that. And, and like I said, Mel Brooks is iconic and brilliant and Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein are some of my favorites. Um, Spaceballs is going to be lower on the totem pole compared to those movies. Um, I would say one, this is the third best Mel Brooks movie. Uh, I haven't seen the producers, um, but yeah, I was not a big fan of History of the World or the producer or uh, um, Dracula Dead and Loving. Never even saw that one. Um, I go Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs. Yeah, I'd I, I'd be on board with that. Dracula. Dead oh, but High Anxiety. I almost forgot. I'm high not Anx- seen that one. I haven't oh, seen yeah, that one. you got to watch High Anxiety. So High Anxiety was Mel Brooks's parody of Alfred Hitchcock movies, and that was one I watched over and over as a kid. That one's solid. I will. It's been again a couple decades since I've seen it. I would rewatch it again and said I'd have to decide between it and Spaceballs. Okay. But this kind of what goes on with Spaceballs that I think uh, is the key to the difference between Spaceballs and Airplane for my final judgment here, which we're moving into. Yes. um, Is what I talked about before. They had the guys in Airplane that were all serious actors delivering serious stuff, even though it was hysterical. And the, the, the... conflict between this very serious delivery from these very serious actors and the hysterical language and stuff going on in the movie was what made it so funny with Spaceballs, you've got some comedy geniuses here but you got some people that were really kind of hamming it up a little bit um especially yeah bill pullman is yeah they're playing for comedy uh, a lot of it uh colonel sanders is a great guy he was on hill street blues he was a serious actor but you could tell he wasn't playing serious role. He was he was kind of hamming it up. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, this movie's great, and it's a lot of fun. And as a Star Wars fan, I'm a big Star Wars guy. 
it's fun to see you, you know your favorites poked fun at and I love it it's funny there are some laugh out loud parts but not like airplane nope not for me no Rick Moranis and John Candy knock it out of the park though absolutely Rick Moranis in particular was brilliant through this whole movie yes I'll tell you another scene that I like that we kind of we haven't really talked about yeah is when they're fighting with their Schwartz mm-hmm. and they slash a TV like a cameraman yes and he's like that's hysterical that it breaks the fourth wall and well and that's exactly the same scene you know i talked about earlier they have the scene where like they're jumping through the closing doubles and then it turns out they've captured their stunt, the stunt doubles, doubles which is again that kind of breaking of the fourth but um that same scene where they're fighting and lone star goes over and does some kind of acrobatics uh you it, when you watch that in high de- definition yeah, that's not Bill Pullman at all. Like you see his face, and I'm like, oh, there's that stunt double again. <laughs> yeah, he does some weak stuff to transition on that. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've reached the end of our show. Final judgment. Love Spaceballs. Love Airplane, airplane More. Definitely Airplane is the winner on this one. Um, Battle of the Parodies. Airplane wins. Um, condolences and respect to Spaceballs. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, Airplane. Yeah. So thank you guys. If you've listened all the way to the end of this, we appreciate you. Uh, send us some stuff on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, catch us at? At Shirley Podcast on Twitter. Yes. And at Shirley Podcast on Facebook. Very good. Um, we love to hear your comments. Have we completely missed it? Is Spaceballs the better movie in your opinion? I know a lot of people out there who believe that it is. Well, let's hear from you. Yeah. Come, come at us. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear it. Give something great, and uh, maybe we'll mention you on your, our next podcast. Jason, it's been fun again. Good to see you, man. It's fun. See you. All right. Bye. All music, images, and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the fair use agreement under the U.S. copyright law.